you're listening to the Enlighten Me podcast, and this is your host, Mackenzie. For this conversation, I interviewed my new friend, Tori, aka The Culture Tejana. Tori is a radio host, a podcaster, a U.S. veteran, a federal employee, and a Tejana. If you don't know what that term means, don't worry, she's going to teach us. Because in this conversation, Tori and I are talking all about her Mexican-American heritage and what it's like to be a Mexican-American woman in today's society. I got her perspective on some hot topics, and I really enjoyed learning from her in our conversation. We also talk a little bit about her experience in the Navy and what it taught her about this country, the good and the bad. I really appreciate her perspective on these topics because I feel like she has a lot of credibility when we think about the fact that she's a minority in more than one way, but she's seen a lot of things, she's been a lot of places, and had a lot of interesting experiences that give her credibility. My hope for you in this conversation is that your mind is open while you hear Tori share her story. I hope it opens your eyes and broadens your horizons to hear a real person's experience. I think when we hear stories like this one, it can depoliticize some of the topics that we can get so heated and opinionated on. More than anything, I really hope this conversation can bring us together and help us to see that even though we might have different opinions on things, we can still recognize another person's value and be open to hearing their thoughts. So I would love for you to consider leaving a rating or review wherever you're listening, whether it's on iTunes or one of the other websites or apps. If you would pause and go leave that rating or review, that would really help me out and help Tori out too, because more people would get to hear her story. I love these conversations so much because I think they teach us a lot and they're conversations that need to be had in this day and age. So when you leave a rating or review, it helps more people to be able to find the show. So if you would consider doing that, I would so appreciate it. And maybe even share a screenshot on your social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, and show people that you're listening. Again, the more people we can help to find the show, the more people are going to hear about these relevant topics. So I so appreciate you doing that. And now here is my conversation with Tori. Okay. Hey, Tori. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so pumped to chat with you today. Um, Can you just start with introducing yourself to everyone who's listening? Yes, uh, my name is Maria Escamilla, but I actually go by Tori. And I was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. And after 32 crazy years, here I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have had quite the adventure, it looks like, over your 32 years. So tell everybody what you do right now for work. So right now, I am, once I got out of the military, I actually am a government employee. I'm a federal employee. Um, My old captain, when I got out of the Navy, said, hey, if you want to stay here, I can most definitely get you a job on the federal side. And so I'm like, okay, awesome. So aside from that, I am also on the radio. I originally started off, I had a morning show with another guy. And once I got the offer for the government job, which, you know, I definitely couldn't pass up because it's a full salary, full benefits. Um, Mm -hmm. My retirement years from the Navy continue, so I had to take that one. Um, But the radio was, you know, still wanting me to work with them, and I wanted to work with them. So now I have my own show, Tuesday through Thursday, 7 to 10. That's awesome. So, yeah, kind of two very different roles that you play. I feel like you don't meet a lot of people who work for the government and are also a radio personality. So, That's very fun. Um, And how old were you when you joined the Navy? I was 22 when I actually went to boot camp. 
Okay, cool. Now, did you go to college or? I, I did. Um, I went to community college for a couple of years here in San Antonio. Okay. And I just really wasn't ready for school. Um, my grades weren't that great in high school, which now that I'm an adult, I have actually been told that I had ADD, um, which would make a lot of sense. But so school wasn't really what I wanted to do because I just didn't really feel like I was smart. I didn't know how to concentrate. So I, I had always wanted to join the Navy. And actually, I tried to join the uh-huh. Navy straight out of high school when I graduated in, in 2005. But I was not of age yet. I wasn't 18. And my mom, I mean, 2005, I don't know if you remember, but that was heavy when, you know, Afghanistan was really bad. You were hearing about Mm -hmm. myths all the time in 2005. And she was like, you're crazy. There's no way I'm signing this paperwork. Yeah. After a couple of years of trying and, you know, being 21 and partying, I was like, okay, I really need to do something because whatever I'm doing is not really working for me. I was working three jobs. I was attempting to go uh-huh. to school. I was just kind of over it. And I was like, you know what? Let me see what I can do. And that's what happened. I joined the Navy. Okay. And how did your mom feel about that then? Um, she was not happy about it, actually. Uh, the funny thing is, yeah. I hadn't even been living in her house for about four years because I moved out when I was 18. And uh-huh. uh, when I told her, um, I remember she was like, I'll think about it. And she hung up the phone on me. <laughs> oh, mom, like, poor mom. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's not really anything for you to think of. Uh, yeah. Or whatever. Um, which is so funny because now she's like, Navy mom, Navy pride. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I remember that day you hung up the phone on me, but sure. Right. (laughs) That's funny. Well, that's really cool. Um, And then how long were you in the Navy for? 10 years. Okay. So you retired from the Navy. You work for the government. You are a radio personality. You also do a podcast. And you live in San Antonio. And you said you were born and raised in San Antonio. Is that right? Yep, correct. Okay. And I just want you to tell us a little bit about that because San Antonio is very dear to my heart. I don't know that much about it, but I've been there probably four times, I want to say. My my mom has, like, always wanted to live to, live in Austin, mm-hmm. and so we would take trips to Texas a lot, and we would go to San Antonio, and I really only know the Riverwalk. That's pretty much it, which I'm guessing is what most tourists know right. of San Antonio, but I, I would go stay in a hotel on the Riverwalk any day for a vacation. It's, I just love walking and it's so beautiful. So can you tell us a little bit about San Antonio? Yeah, so San Antonio um, actually has such a huge history that unfortunately I feel like gets missed out a lot, especially when it comes to like Mexican-American history um, because you know, mm-hmm. something that I noticed was because I actually uh, was stationed in California for five years and, mm-hmm. you know, everything that's like show business, entertainment, uh, especially in regards to Latinos is very L.A. based. Uh-huh. But San Antonio does have I mean, we have such a huge history from, you know, our culture, that how Texas became part of the, the union, how Texas became part of America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Mexican-Americans mm-hmm. were here, why we call ourselves Tejanos. You know, how how our food is different, you know, the Tex-Mex, the language, the culture. I I feel like San Antonio is an exact blend of what it is to be Mexican-American. Because Mm -hmm. if you go to San Antonio, even just the Riverwalk, it's very 
Mexicanized. I mean, they're, you know, the, yeah. from flags. Everybody is brown. There's, you know, sarape style designs everywhere. You know, a lot of things are in Spanish. A lot mm-hmm. of our streets are in Spanish. But we're all still very Americanized. Yeah. So I right. I think it is a an exact blend of what it of being Mexican American here in San Antonio. That's that's way I would describe it, I think. Yeah, I love that description. That's awesome. It definitely does have like you can tell it has the Mexican culture which I I feel like it's so colorful there from what I've seen like a lot of the I even just like the gift shops and the restaurants. Like I said, I really only have been to the Riverwalk. Um but I've also been to the Alamo which most people probably don't realize that's in San Antonio, but a lot of people know the Alamo. So that's kind of that history piece you were talking about. Yep, exactly. Very cool. Um, well, hopefully you just inspired people to take a little trip to San Antonio. Yeah, and there's so I think it's there. awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, since I, I, you know, I was gone for 10 years and then when I came back, I, there is literally been so much growth in San Antonio. It's unreal. I mean, um, nothing that I ever went to when I was younger is here. There's so many things have, that have been built. There's so much to do. There's so many attractions. And uh, it's getting very Austin, Austin-like as far as, you know, the diversity yeah. and the kind of um, things they have there. It's very more like entertainment oriented. Sure. So, I mean, you know, when I, my, I finished my last active duty tour here in San Antonio and people were always like, what's there to do here? There's nothing. And I, I always tell them, are you kidding? There's so much to do here. I'm from here and I don't even do the same thing I did so and so many years ago. Like, Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk more about your current job as a radio host because obviously that's not a job that just anyone can do. It takes a special personality, I feel like. So what is the show that you're on? It's a morning show, is that you said? It was a morning show, yes. Um, okay. That's when that's when I started prior to okay. um, going to the government job, but okay. Uh, so now I have my own show. It's called Tori E Live at Night. Okay, and so and you said is it two nights a week? Uh, it's three. It's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Okay, very cool. And so, what is your show about? What's your What's your thing? Um, really, where I do this particular segment that's called Get Locals which is pretty much just, so Tejano, it's it's very region specific, I would say, as far as music goes, because, you know, it's not reggaeton where everybody likes the beat and the dancing. It's not uh, extremely Mexican, like, you know, mariachi music or, yeah. um, you know, Vicente Fernandez style. It's definitely just like Tex-Mex food. Not everybody likes it. It's a certain taste because it is Mexican food, but it's our version. And that's the same thing with the music. Okay. So I completely forgot where I was going with this. Oh yes, the Get Locals. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in San Antonio is actually the Tejano capital of America. And so there's a lot of new and upcoming singers that are trying to get into the game. And it's I wouldn't say it's a dying genre, but it's definitely a genre that because it's so regional specific, uh, it's not as big. So a lot of the music that we listen to and we love, it's all older, but there's so many like younger acts trying to come in who still appreciate the music, appreciate the culture. And um, there's not a lot of radio stations that give them the opportunity because one of the other radio stations that I guess you could say is kind of our competitor is owned by a huge 
corporation, uh, a Spanish corporation, and our radio station is own is family owned, so they're very like, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's you know get as much music as we can from people that are local, people that are up and coming, who might not get that airplay at a different station. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, you're it's like kind of the equivalent of highlighting small businesses, but the music equivalent of that through your through your radio show so that's yeah which is really good because i feel like um you know since since we are very passionate about this type of music they're all younger they're Mm -hmm. all it's all new music so we're uh it's almost like we're trying to keep this genre going with a new demographic gotcha okay yeah that's really cool and then so what about the podcast that you do i saw i saw that on your instagram bio that you also do a podcast what the theme of the podcast um so the podcast is pretty much just me and two other friends just talking about whatever is on our mind uh i had got into podcasts a couple years ago and same thing like i said before everything that i was listening to was all la based and uh you know we have such a huge demographic here in texas that i was like okay well i want to listen to something who somebody who can understand my experiences because you know, um, living in California, a lot of them are more Mexican than American, I would say. Okay. You know, a lot of their parents are either first or second generation that just crossed. Whereas here in Texas, we're like third, fourth generation. You know, our families have been here since they took Texas and it became the United States. So it's it's different. Um, we have different culture, different style of things. And so I just kind of wanted people to hear what our perspective as the Hanas was. And we also get into it as far as um, mental mental health, you know, our food, mm. the different things that we go through as Hispanic women, just because we wanted to have a voice of we're from Texas, we're from a different region, things are different. So it's not necessarily targeted towards like a Hispanic or Latino audience? Uh, it is for the part that, um, you know, like I said, we talk about our experiences as Hispanic women uh, and the things that we've been through. But uh, okay. I definitely feel like anybody who listened to it can relate. Like all women can relate yeah. to, you know, um, having issues with their mother and having issues with dating and mental health issues. Uh, and you know even even just learning about a different culture that's not the same as yours I think it's it's good to listen to right yeah absolutely okay I'm gonna check it out then um and we'll make sure to post links to all that stuff too so that other people can check it out too yeah okay so you've mentioned the term Tejano a couple of times which I should have said this at the beginning but since we're going to be talking about your cultural background and everything, I give you complete permission to correct me if I mispronounce anything okay. um, or if I say anything that is not like is offensive in any way or just anything like that that might be ignorant on my part since I don't have a lot of knowledge on this topic. I give you complete permission to correct me. But so Tejano or Tejana, is that right? Yes. Okay, so can you tell people what that term means since you've used it a couple times? Because um, I haven't heard of it before checking out your profile, and I'm sure there's some people listening who also haven't heard of it. Yeah, so Tejana is pretty much like a Texan, uh, a Texan man or male, depending on, you know, the O or A. But mm-hmm. it is specifically a term to describe a Mexican-American who is from Texas. Like, I don't know if you've ever okay. heard, like, New Yorican. Okay. 
Like a Puerto um, it's Rican a person from New York? Yeah, okay. Puerto Rican <laughs> from New York. Uh, same concept. Um, so, and it's exactly that. You know, I when I tell somebody, oh, I'm Tejana, it's saying I'm a Hispanic, um, Mexican-American from Texas. Okay. That's, you know, not... We're not, um, you know, some people say they're Mexican or Hispanic or Latina Mm -hmm. or Mexican-American. I consider myself a Tejana. Okay, gotcha. And so with that, I think um, with Hispanic heritage, maybe people who aren't Hispanic or, you know, haven't had like a lot of proximity to Hispanic people, I think that it can be confusing that because there's a lot of terms and different things that people identify as. So would you clarify for maybe people that can relate to that, you know, would you also say you're Hispanic or Latina or both? Or like, what's the difference between those terms? Um, I actually, I'm not really, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older and I, you know, I do see, I know exactly what you're talking about, mm-hmm. that people are like, oh, I'm not Latina. Don't call me Hispanic. Right. Um, I personally really don't it's not a, a huge deal to me i'll consider myself hispanic or latino um so like latina for instance is anybody that's from a latin american country okay. so like spanish for instance somebody from spain could be hispanic but they're not latina because right. spain is not part of latin america okay uh and hispanic a lot of people don't really like to use that term especially now in this you know hashtag woke era that we're in okay. uh, mainly because it, it was pretty much just a way for people to categorize Hispanics in America because, you know, we're uh, on our birth certificates, we are considered white. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, history shows that we never necessarily got that white privilege. And right. obviously, we're not black because not all of us have those Afro Latino roots. Mm-hmm. So Hispanic is pretty much a way of saying, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a survey or anything. It says white, Hispanic or Latino, non-Hispanic or Latino, white. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much just a way of category categorizing us because we don't have our own uh, race. Okay, right. But like you're saying, like, I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because you identify as Tejana, which I don't know if you would call that a race or maybe more a culture but it is interesting that it's like all these people because they speak Spanish are grouped together essentially, right? Yeah, it is. And it and it's um even I mean, even our own people don't understand sometimes the difference right. between the different ethnicities. And it is, you know, um, like we're all considered Hispanic, but people from Mexico and people from say like the Dominican Republic, our main uh, tie is that we speak Spanish because, you know, those particular countries were taken over by the Spanish and that was our main language, uh, as mm-hmm. well as like Catholicism is the religion that, you know, we were taught. But as far as like, you know, even our dialect, our language, our music, uh, our backgrounds are completely different because, you know, Dominicans have a lot of African descent in them. Um so yeah, I think that's what the big thing is with being categorized as Hispanic or Latino because people don't want to don't want that confusion of mm-hmm. yes, I'm Hispanic, but I'm not from this country. Right. Yeah, and that's something that I've kind of thought about over the years like 
you know, especially like you mentioned all the forms that you fill out where it asks you to identify your race. I've always thought it's interesting how like there's black and white and those are PC terms, right? To call someone black or call someone white. But then, you know, then there's Asian. So that's categorized by a region rather than a, a skin color. Um, and not that black or white are real skin colors, but you know what I mean? And and then there's Hispanic, which is more like a language kind of grouping. It's just interesting how our government, you know, many years ago decided that they would categorize people. Right. Um, and I think that kind of, that's really what does make it confusing for everybody that's trying, you know, trying to say the right thing, but isn't quite sure the difference. It's very confusing. Yeah, it is. And that's why I said, um, you know, I... I understand I'm not one of, because I do know some people that are very, you know, don't call me that. I don't like to be considered that, Um, you know, and it's just not everybody understands, you know, like the, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like now with like uh, the gender fluidity, I I have no idea what cis, male, female is, you know, the difference Mm -hmm. with putting an X in certain things. And it's not that I am trying to be rude or ignorant I just, or that you're sexist or yeah yeah I, I just there's so many terms you know so yeah and without having a class or really digging deep into it you really don't know so I, I don't mm-hmm. if to me it doesn't bother me as somebody as long as somebody's not trying to be rude or genuinely ugly I guess just as long as they're not trying to be ugly or putting me down sure I mean it's I know not everybody knows not everybody understands not everybody really cares yeah. either to uh, understand so as, as long as, you know, they're not saying it in a demeaning way, it, it really doesn't bother me. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's really patient of you. And I think that's really nice to hear. I work with a lot of students of color, predominantly black students. And, you know, a lot of times they'll say, I work at a university. And so they'll say like, that professor's racist. And, and I was talking to one the other day and he said, he's just racist. And I, and a lot of times I'm thinking, I, there cannot be that many racist professors. Like, not that there's not, but, like, uh, you know, it's they're, they can be quick to call someone racist. And so I'll challenge them and say, like, are, do you think they're really racist or do you think they're just maybe a little ignorant? Like, maybe they just don't know. Yeah, and, and in my experience, that's really what it is. Yeah. Because, you know, like, uh, for instance, my first duty station, I was in Boston, and I heard the most off-the-wall things. Mm-hmm. And, you know... And I never really took it as anybody being rude or ugly. It was just definitely ignorance, which after a while, it is a little irritating to have to explain things to people, Um, you know, which is why I think a lot of people of color get very irritated quickly because it's kind of like, okay, why do I have to continue to explain this certain thing? But I do get it. You know, like in Boston, I had this older white lady tell me that I was trained very well because I spoke very well and I was very polite Mm -hmm. and I was kind of like Mm -hmm. did this woman just tell me I was trained like a dog (laughs) is she she serious right now uh okay um you know and I would get a lot of oh where are you from and I would tell them oh I'm from Texas and they're like no but like where are you from like are you from Mexico what part and I was Mm -hmm. like no I'm I'm from Texas born and raised third generation Mm -hmm. uh so Mm -hmm. little things like that that you know I'm I'm just looking at people like, are you kidding me? Is this are you are you serious? Right. 
So I think yeah. I think it's like that, and people just take it off the hinges. Um, you know, like I said, I I'm I think I'm more of an understanding person, and I'm not somebody who is real quick to jump down someone's throat. But I I do get, especially if people make more ignorant comments. And to be honest with you, I think a professor I I would kind of expect them to have a little bit more couth than to continue yeah. to say that's a little more ignorant. Yeah, totally. You would hope so, but I I did this um professor that i had when i was in grad school he's black and he grew up he's probably in his 70s i mean he's a little bit older um but still teaching still like great shape i mean he's amazing but he grew up in richmond virginia i mean in like you know the early 50s and whatnot or maybe before that i don't even know but richmond virginia was the heart of the confederacy and so he went to like he was he when he was growing up schools were still segregated so he went to an all-black high school um and so he had so many interesting stories to tell and i remember a student asked him once like don't you ever just get like burnt out like tired of this like the fact that you know obviously our schools aren't segregated by law anymore but like man we're still dealing with so many of these racial tensions in our country like don't you just get tired of it and he said as long as it's just ignorance I can work with that yeah and I'll never forget that answer because I thought I thought that was great it's like yeah obviously if someone's blatantly racist and hates people of color like that's very hard to work with but ignorance like you can you can teach people and you know, it's definitely hard when it's someone older than you, like the lady you were talking about. But still, like, when people say something ignorant like that, like, you you have an opportunity where you can maybe teach them. Yeah, no, exactly. I definitely agree, um, you know, because people are ignorant, especially when you don't, especially when you don't live in an area that has much diversity. And then you leave mm-hmm. somewhere and you're like, what in the world? Um, mm-hmm. It is. And, and that's exactly what I've experienced. And I think that, you know, having moved is what made me want to get into my culture even more because I I wanted to be able to let those people know that I'm a part of this country and just as much as you are, even if you're mm-hmm. ignorant, even if you're ignorant to it, you know, so it's but yeah, I, I totally get that. And I really do like that answer because some people just genuinely don't know. And I don't think you right. can jump down somebody's throat if they're just ignorant. I mean, I that's actually a perfect statement. I'm going to use that on my own. <laughs> if yeah, ignorant, yeah. <laughs> change, you know, blatant racism that no one's even going to be open-minded is, is a whole different thing. And I think some people, you know, these social justice warriors sometimes get a little, I think they forget that. Yeah, for sure. And I think the hard thing with that is, like, I'm not saying that, like, your anger or frustration or offense, like, that is completely justified, I think, in those situations. But when you react in that way, and granted, I'm saying this from, some like, a perspective where I've never had to deal with a situation like that personally, but something I've told my students before, too, is that, like, if you react, like, in a way where you are jumping down that person's throat, that that really won't help like if anything that's just going to confirm maybe misbeliefs or stereotypes that they were are that they already had in their head you know what I mean like it's just kind of confirming a negative thought that maybe they had in the back of their mind and that's I mean again that's really hard to say I feel like because again it's very justified to be angry if you feel offended but it's I mean 
taking a step back and and trying to see it as just ignorance and not as someone trying to be blatantly offensive it's a hard thing but you know it taking the teaching moment for what it is could be really valuable yeah I completely agree and you know I even challenge a lot of my my people that I always ask them like well do you even know your history like what are, you, mm-hmm. what are you angry about? What do you, yeah. you know, besides, I'm not saying there's not things to be angry about. I mean, just looking at the news can bring a person's soul down. But what do you, sure. what do you know? What are you doing to improve on these things? Or what are you doing to show that you are better than what somebody thinks of your stereotype? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I yeah. get that. That's, I like, I really like what he said. That's going to stick. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely stuck with me over the years. <laughs> And so with talking about race and, you know, identity and everything, obviously, like you said, in this woke, uh, hashtag woke era, there's lots of discussions about race and everything going on. I feel like, and maybe this is just from where I sit, maybe this isn't actually true, but I feel like a lot of times this tends to be like a black and white discussion. Like it's, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and everything like that, which I'm not saying, not knocking that at all, but I feel like a lot of times we're talking about black and white racial tension and maybe other cultures end up getting missed out of the discussion. Um, do you think that's true at all from where you sit? Um, on the big scale, yes and no. Okay. For the reason being that you there's definitely a huge difference in people who are fighting for social justice especially when it comes to other uh, ethnicities that you didn't see a few years ago. You know, mm-hmm. I know uh, Hispanic people, for one, we're, we're getting better, but I have noticed that we are not, we don't come together the way the Black community does. And I think because of the fact that there are so many different countries of Hispanic sure. uh, that we don't really feel like they have the same problems as us. Yeah. Like, you know, Puerto Ricans, for instance, they're part of the U.S. They don't mm-hmm. so they don't have that same problem as Mexicans where we're coming over and they're immigrants because they can come back and forth and they're citizens. So it's not a problem for them. It's not something that they feel is an issue on their end because they're not dealing with it. It's not their own people. Right. And I've been surprised that a lot of Hispanics are actually on the opposite side. I'm actually very surprised. But I just feel like the black community uh, has been through so much and they want better for themselves. So they have definitely made their voices known more mm-hmm. uh, than any any other, which because, I mean, obviously they have been through years and years of, you know, different kinds of oppression. So I don't think it's a black and white thing. I just think maybe they have a louder voice. Uh, I, I do know a lot of other minorities kind of sweep things under the rug, unfortunately, like uh, Asian Americans, yeah. you know, Japanese especially, they were literally camps that they were put into during world war ii because you know the government assumed that all of them were um you know in alliance with japan after you know pearl harbor when do you Mm. ever really see asians making a a big movement like you do black people you don't so uh, i I would say yes and no yes just because i think that's what's more in the media and no because i really do think that a, a lot of the newer generation are finally wanting to speak up and wanting to protect who they are, wanting their originality as a nationality and their background. So that that's my opinion on that one. Yeah, no, that's really good to know. That's very interesting. And so the other thing that I wanted to ask you with that is, I guess just knowing that you have a audience of all types of backgrounds listening, 
what would you say you want people to know about what it's like to be a Mexican-American woman um, living in this country? I know that's such a vague question, but like I said, maybe because other cultures, predominantly the black communities, voices are louder and, you know, more in unison, maybe we hear a lot of those stories. But if if somebody doesn't have any proximity to a person that identifies as Tejana or Hispanic or Latina or whatever it is, um, not that you are speaking for all those culture groups, but what would you want them to know, I guess, just as a Mexican-American woman living right now in this country? I would say that regardless of who we are, be it American citizens, whether we are undocumented, or even if you know we've been here forever and know no other country, that we're kind of all still in the same fight. I, mm-hmm. I think that we are so divided because people feel like they have the privileges of having been here, that they do not care about the other people that are coming over. And in my experiences, like I said, I've had a couple, you know, I've, I've had I've heard racial things throughout the years. Um, and on that opposite side, when I moved to California, I always got the, oh, you don't even speak Spanish, your, your Spanish isn't good. But, you know, my my grandmother, for instance, you know, used to tell me that the reason they didn't teach me Spanish is because when she was little, they would literally hit them in school if they spoke Spanish. They were not allowed to speak Spanish in Texas. They would hit them with the ruler. They would get paintings or they would tell them that, you know, they, they had to learn English in order to attend class. So she said, we never really saw the point in teaching you guys Spanish because we didn't want to make life hard for you in school, how it was with us. And Mm. it's always very disheartening to see my own people who I try to relate with, you know, make fun of me or say something because my Spanish isn't great. I can understand it. My great grandmother spoke only Spanish, but, you know, speaking it isn't that great. I sound kind of funny. And it's always disheartening because I really wish I would have learned. And I've picked it up much better throughout the years. But unfortunately, you know, um, what I've noticed is people don't care whether my English is perfect or if I can barely speak something. I mean, they're going to get it from one side or the other. People don't see the difference in me being here and always having been here and my family having always been U.S. citizens or me just crossing Mm -hmm. the border. They just see that I'm brown, I'm Hispanic, I have a little bit of an accent at times, and, Mm -hmm. and that's it, regardless of whether they know my background, whether they think I belong here, whether I don't, we all really are in the same fight. And I have noticed mm-hmm. this from wherever I go, because in Boston, I was this little Hispanic girl who spoke so well, and I was educated, and I spoke well for being a Mexican, to going to California, where they were like, your Spanish is horrible, you're a gringa, you know, it's kind of like, I, I can't mm-hmm. win. And and that's exactly what it is. You know, I, I always feel like, as a Hispanic, not so much in Texas, because in Texas, uh, especially San Antonio, where I'm from, South Texas, it's about like, I think the demographic is like 64% Hispanic. And out of that 64%, about 70 Mm -hmm. is, you know, Mexican American. Mm -hmm. So in Texas, I don't feel it. I don't feel that difference. And a lot of people from Texas don't think the way I do, because they never left to experience that ignorance. But having been in the Navy and having seen people, you know, react to me and react to certain things. That's what I would say, you know, we're, we're all the same, we're all in the same fight, because the outside world, it doesn't matter to them whether I have a card or not, there's, they still think that same way. Mm. 
that's really good for people to hear, I think. Um, again, just even for the sake of proximity, because I know for some of us, maybe we don't have that in our lives right now. And I think it's just really good to hear people's stories. And, you know, not that I'm saying, like, tell us how to vote or, you know, tell us, like, political opinions or whatever. But I think it's just good for people to hear the experiences of others because it's going to just broaden our horizons and help us to really think better and be less ignorant like we were talking about. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you for asking. I appreciate it. I'm always I, – I, uh, like I said, a lot of my friends never understood that because they never left. And yeah. you know, I was even surprised. Like I said, in Boston, I would hear the craziest stuff like, oh, you're pretty for a Mexican girl. Oh, oh you speak good. Oh, you sound educated. And I was like, oh what? <laughs> yeah, the craziest thing. And then so I moved to California so excited because I'm like, yay, there's like my people there. And, yeah. you know, to them, I, you know, I like the Hana music. I didn't grow up on like Norteño and Banda that they listened to there. Uh-huh. So they didn't really like my music. I wasn't crazy about theirs. The food was different. So, you know, like I said, it's kind of like a lose-lose situation, which is why, again, the podcast came into play because I was able to talk about my experiences not being from California or not being from the rest of America. Mm-hmm. We, It really is its own community. Yeah, and I think that's really good for people to learn too, just and people including myself, that like on one hand, like you were saying, um, you're all in the same fight, but also that there's so many different cultural groups within Spanish-speaking communities or, or whatever. And while you identify as Mexican-American, that doesn't mean that you are going to instantly relate to the New Yorican or whatever, right? Yes, exactly. Well, that's really interesting. And so I also wanted to ask you about your military experience because obviously that has uh, changed the course of your life. It's changed the way you view the world and view a lot of things and has taken you all over the place so I guess well first I want to know what was your actual like role you probably had more than one job in in the navy but what was your how would you describe your role to us civilians who don't know anything about the military and then where where all did you go were you in combat zones like were you deployed multiple times tell us a little bit about your experience Yeah, so I actually never went to a combat zone, uh, which is funny because I was actually in a combat battalion. For being in the Navy, I've actually never been on a ship. I was in, yeah, I was in a construction battalion, which I really liked because, so my job, I did logistics. I pretty much did our financials for, you know, buying the supplies for the missions. Um, I did the budgeting. So I, I was at I was at a desk. I'm not gonna lie, and that's uh-huh. one thing that shocks a lot of people is that the military, any job you can have in the civilian world, you can have in the military. From being mm-hmm. a secretary all the way to being a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, a lot of people don't know that. You know, they think military and they think combat, going to war. But you know, we really are a self-sustaining organization. You need everybody from people who are filling out the orders to, you know, getting the money together to those who are actually out there fighting and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing the the hard stuff. So I've done three deployments. I did one to Spain and two to Okinawa. Real hard, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. But the thing that I really liked about the battalion is we supported a lot of humanitarian missions. 
uh, when that really big tsunami happened in Japan, mm-hmm. we had people that were out there and they helped them, you know, rebuild. They helped clean up a lot of the debris. Uh, they even helped actually um, locate a, a few bodies that were under a, a lot of debris. We went to Af- we sent people to Africa, to Seoul, Korea, and you know people that made schools for kids. They built houses for certain people, and it was really good. They worked with a lot of the government of that particular country that they went to, mm-hmm. and they helped them build stuff for the community. And you know, people I've had a lot of people like, oh, the military—they're just sending you out to kill people, and it's war. And it's really not. They actually do a lot of humanitarian things like that. Um, I know in Africa, on my deployment, when I was in Spain, we sent a detachment to Africa. And they actually built a well for one of the communities so that way they could have water and clean water at that. So that's something that I'm, I'm very, I was always very proud of to be a part of, even yeah. though I wasn't actually the one building, but you know, that I, I was able to support that mission on my behalf to do that. Yeah. That's really cool. It sounds like you saw a lot of amazing things and like you overall speak positively about your experience, which is great. And I know one thing that I thought of when I was thinking about what questions I wanted to ask you was what it's like being a female in the military and what it's like being a racial minority in the military Because those are two things, especially when you put them together, I wouldn't imagine makes your experience super easy, but um, maybe that's just an assumption um, on my part. I know one thing I, I didn't mention this in my questions that I sent you, but me and my husband watched a documentary on the issues of sexual assault against females in the military And I'm not trying to say, like, tell me if you ever had that experience. But, you know, just there (laughs) are things that pop in my mind with, you know, a female in the military and just some of the hardships you might have to encounter. So what was that part of it like? Um, You know, what's funny, I actually had this conversation with one of my friends this weekend because so right now I'm actually in Newport, Rhode Island. I'm actually uh, I'm still Navy Reserve and I got pulled for a, a training up here. And Boston is actually about an hour away. And we had a little reunion for a a couple of the friends that were out that way. And, um, you know, I was talking to some of the girls and they're not in out of a bunch of that, out of that crew that I started with. And I was stationed there 2009, 2011. Nobody's in anymore. And, um, you know, everyone has had such crazy experiences. And I didn't. I was so blessed that I didn't have that uh, one I am a no-nonsense kind of person. Uh, mm-hmm. If I feel some way, you're going to know. I make sure to set my boundaries before anything even happens. And mm-hmm. I don't put myself in predicaments. Um, I came off like a bitch a lot of times. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, I got a lot of like, oh, you're a little hot-headed Latina. Oh, you know, you're uh, a little spicy mm-hmm. firecracker. You know, heard those kind of comments all the time. But... Mm-hmm. People knew I was not going to tolerate the, the BS. Mm-hmm. I never was one to really go to a lot of parties as far as with work people because I saw people get in those kind of situations. And sure. um, so pretty much I just took myself out of that predicament. You know, when I was in Boston, I had a part time job. So I hung out with the people that I met that were not in the military. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing when I was in California, I just kept myself so busy and I would hang out with people who I really, really trusted So I never had that issue. You know, I I have seen, unfortunately, a lot of women go through sexual harassment issues and not saying that any female 
did anything that they deserved it. Um, but right. you know, definitely people need to be better with their surroundings, you know, and it sucks. I hate that, you know, as a female, you, we are the ones who have to learn to be careful yeah with that you know it sucks it really does we shouldn't have we should be able to we shouldn't have to but yeah. yeah you know especially with with you know working with men i'm just like oh my god you guys are pigs sometimes you know um yeah. but you you really just have to hold your own you have to hold your ground you have to take care of yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you mm-hmm. and i think that's what what got me this far I mean 10 years is you know halfway to retirement and I loved it I I don't regret one thing and you know like I said I dealt with the oh she's spicy she's you know she's a firecracker you know but I nobody ever messed with me in that sense I did my job I did it well so nobody could really say anything and like I said I kept myself out of certain situations because you know I I just felt like you know let me just not put myself in that situation it's just better that I you know, stay out of it, stay to myself, do my job, get done. And that's it. You know, I had the few friends that I trusted who, you know, became family throughout the years because you didn't have your family there. And I trusted them. And those were who I would, I would stick around. But as far as, you know, I kept myself out of parties, I didn't really want to go with people who I wasn't unsure of. And I always made sure not to, you know, drink a lot, not get crazy. And, and I have heard stories about things that happened in the workplace and crazy things that people have been through, you know, from right. women that I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, they by no means put themselves in any kind of situation and something happened. But I, I would just say maybe the, the grace of God yeah. <laughs> would helped me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I never had any issues with that. Um, luckily, very luckily, because yeah. it does happen fairly often, unfortunately. Right. Totally. Was there anything more you wanted to say on like the racial piece of your experience in the military? Like I know you mentioned the hot-headed Latina stereotype. Was there anything else like even I wondered from your community back home, like going into the military, like did anybody, you know, have any problems with that besides your mom worrying about your safety, obviously, but was there any pushback? No. No, not at all. Everybody was like, hey, girl, like you're a strong woman and we know you can do it. Um, One thing that I always thought was funny is um, I so I did the Big Brothers, Big Sisters program when I was in California and I had a little sister and her parents were, you know, her mom was a drug addict and her dad, you know, was in and out of prison. And I tried to convince her to go into the military and her dad, who was Hispanic, told her, oh, she took the easy way out. She joined the military. And I have heard some some things like I got her family actually gave a lot of pushback because, you know, they were like, oh, we're fighting a war. That's not even ours. The government doesn't care about you. You're just a body, which I'm not saying is not true. But <laughs> what I always used to tell her is people are going to use you in life. Yeah. They really are, regardless of whether you work for a big corporation or whether you make your own business, you still have to answer to the government, to the bureau, to the IRS. The The thing with life is you have to get out of it what it's going to get out of you. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. and I didn't take the easy way out. I've missed so I've missed death in my deaths in my family. You know, I have one little brother. I missed both his high school and his college graduation. I have missed out on tons of holidays, tons of birthdays, births. You know, my my grandfather, who I'm extremely close with, had his leg amputated. And I felt horrible that I wasn't able to be there for him. And it it really isn't the easy way out. And I have heard that throughout, like, you know, 
again, in this woke society, people think, you know, and I get it. I, you know, just how people back in the day protest Vietnam. They didn't think that it was our war that we needed to be fighting. People still don't think that we should be in certain countries that we are right now. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I don't disagree, but I also believe that can nobody ever tell me that I don't belong here, that this is not my country. Mm-hmm. And I am getting out of what they're getting out of me. That makes sense. And I feel like you have a really good perspective. Like you're not trying to say it's perfect or anything like that, but you're also, you know, you didn't leave your position in the military, like with a really bad taste in your mouth, clearly. So with that, would you say that um, you, you obviously work for our government and so you don't like have a disdain for our country after that experience, but would you say that you you feel like more proud to be an American after your experience in the military? Or would you say open your eyes up to issues that you didn't realize before? Or was it a combination of both? Oh, definitely a combination of both. Um, You know, this is the only country I know. I don't, I don't, you know, I can be a proud Mexican all day, but I've never lived there. I have family that's still there, but I, I'm, that's not where I'm from. I'm from here. And regardless of whether this country is upside down or not, I mean, I'm still proud of it. It's where I'm from. And I, I hope to do better with it. And I hope to leave, even if it's a small imprint, imprint of it being better, if not for myself, for somebody else, for future generations, then, you know, that's, that's what you're here for. And I think that's what a lot of countries have is that they don't fix themselves so people leave to other countries to try to get a better life and I feel like why would I hate on my country when I don't know another one when Mm -hmm. all I can do is you know continue what I feel like will help future generations live in this country comfortably yeah totally and I feel like I mean I obviously didn't serve in the military but I feel like I can kind of relate to that where it's like I'm not, like, an extremely patriotic person by any means. I feel like our country has a lot to work on, but I'm also really glad I live here. Like, I'm not going to just, like, bash our country. Like, I'm thankful to be here, you know, compared to a lot of the places in the world that I could live. So I I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, too, that, you know, we're we're actually not the only free country. As much as, you know, we want to have been brainwashed right. that, oh, freedom, freedom, America's free. Mm-hmm. There's some... Tons of other countries that have just as much freedoms, if not more, than America. But again, this is where we're from. You know, we take pride. All we can do is attempt to be better, to make it better, if not for us, for future people. Because it's all we know. You know, are we perfect? No. Even as humans, we're not perfect. So there's no way that we're going to expect a country to be perfect overnight. All we can do is fight for change and hope that, you know, the generation after us is going to be better because of what we did. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a potentially hot topic? Okay. Well, actually, I have two. One of them you know about already that I'm going to ask you. The other is kind of a curveball. And maybe you don't have an opinion on it, and that's okay if you (laughs) don't want to talk about it. But I'm wondering if you have an opinion. Um, We haven't seen it as much this year. I don't know if you're into watching football at all. But um, we haven't seen it as much this season. At least I haven't. But the whole um, taking a knee during the national anthem thing during football mm-hmm. games. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. What do you think as a as a you know, as a veteran, um, but also as a person of color, what do you think about that? Because I've heard like I I feel like I get it. I get why people do it. But then I've heard people say, like, well it's dishonoring the flag. It's dishonoring the people that died for our freedom 
and whatnot. So what's your take on that? I personally think that that was the best way he could have protested, to be honest okay. with you. I, okay. I, as a service member, by no means am offended. I feel like, you know, the whole purpose of this country to be free is to express your freedom. And, you know, mm-hmm. history has shown that, you know, not everybody goes through things peacefully. There's been plenty of riots throughout the years. And that's, you know, ways of protesting, you know, beating people up, being ugly. And this man did it silently. And in, in my opinion, very classy. He didn't say mm-hmm. anything. He didn't make a ruckus. He didn't start a riot. He took a knee. And mm-hmm. in all honesty, I think that's respectful because quite frankly, he could have just stayed in the back. Um, you know, right. I, he didn't say anything. He didn't curse anyone out. He wasn't rude. He just said, hey, country, wake up. These things are going on. You know, football is, a, I'm, I'm not a football fan. I really could care less about football, to be honest with you. But I think um, mm-hmm. he did it in a very classy way. And, you know, unfortunately, I feel like regardless of what he did, somebody was going to make a big deal out of it. You know, if he had sure. decided to start a riot and break windows at a at a store in a strip mall, if people decided to go crazy in the middle of the street, it wouldn't have been any better. And I feel like he mm-hmm. did it very classy. He didn't start drama. He was not ugly. He just simply said, I'm not going to stand because I feel like America could be better. I, I by no means, he didn't burn a flag. You know, he didn't say mm-hmm. fuck America by any means. And I I honestly feel like that was the best way he could have done it. Okay. I like that. I think that's a really good answer. And I feel like because you know better than anybody what the flag stands for, like, I think you have credibility to answer that question. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. And then the other hot topic I want to ask you about is related to immigration, which again, I, I think I told you this when we talked earlier that I, I'm not, I'm never trying to be like a quote-unquote political show like you know I I want this to be for everybody and you know it's okay if people disagree with us like it's okay if people disagree with what you said about the kneeling during the flag thing like that's okay you know there's we need to have some element of debate in our country right that's kind of the point of you know everybody getting to have their own beliefs and being in a free country and and so that's okay if we disagree I'm not saying everyone has to my mom disagrees with me with the kneeling for the flag thing surprisingly really yeah she's like that's so disrespectful and I'm like oh yeah why you know and I like to challenge people when they say things I'm like why why is it disrespectful you know is it because people are telling you and you're seeing this on the tv or is that just genuinely how you feel and I think a lot of that's what a lot of people are they're just they see the tv they see the media instead of actually knowing what the truth is yeah absolutely and yeah I just feel like we all get to have our own opinion, but that also means we all have to hear each other out. Yeah. And that's kind of my whole heart behind all this. Like I said earlier, is just to get other people's perspectives and be enlightened because of them. And so with that, I wanted to know what, just what you wanted to say about immigration. And I'm definitely not an expert on this topic. I know that our immigration laws are constantly changing, you know, with different administrations. And I feel like there's a lot of jacked up things going on with immigration and deportation and everything but I just you know I want to know kind of just what you would want to share as again someone I feel like you have just this really interesting perspective probably because you you identify as Mexican-American right so I'm assuming you have 
I know you were born in the U.S. and you said your mom was born in the, your parents were born in the United States and mm-hmm. then were your grandparents born in the United States also? Is that what you said? Yeah, they were actually. Okay, so where down the line is it? Your great grandparents that were from Mexico? Yes, correct. Okay, so you have those roots, but then also you are 100% American. Like you were born and raised here. This is, it's not like you grew up in Mexico and crossed the border at some point. And you also work for our government and you probably have worked with a lot of people who have very hard views of what immigration should look like. Right. So what, what's your perspective on all that? And like, where, where kind of do you stand with that? What would you want people to know as we, especially as we look into the next election, uh, it's, crazy to me that there's already like commercials for the 2020 election but it's right it's yeah the corner. um i understand why people feel the way they do about immigration but because they're ignorant to it mm-hmm. i actually i'm going to school right now and a lot of the classes i've taken are chicano uh study classes which is pretty much another word for mexican-american a slang term um okay and you know surprisingly out of the world's immigrants, America only gets 1% of mm. all the immigrants that migrate somewhere to another country. We only get 1%. And that's tiny, right? Granted, that's crazy. I mean, of all the people in the world, you know, 1% is still humongous. Right. But I've and I've read through the immigration process and there is a lot that they go through. I don't know necessarily if it's a matter of manning or if it's a matter of jurisdiction with president, I really am not 100% qualified to give you a straight on educational researched answer. Sure. What I do know is that it does take some people a long time to come to this country and get citizenship. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do also know that a lot of stories that you hear about immigrants are so heartbreaking. Mm I've the the last class that I took was a Chicano literature class and all of them were about children immigrants who came to America and the things that they've endured uh you know from their parents leaving them to finding out their parents passed away to having a broken family because their parents left them to try to have a better life you know the the journeys people have to go through constantly getting caught by border patrol women being raped uh, their children being raped mm-hmm. you know people being killed in front of their families why would you think that people would go through a situation like that to come and feed off of america's economy you know in in mm-hmm. my mind the fact that they would go through these tumultuous things to have a better life for their family just baffles me that people wouldn't understand why they would want to come over here because I think people want what's best for their Mm -hmm. family. They want what's best for them, if not their kids. And, you know, people know that it's not great, that great coming over here. You know, they know that they're going to have to hide under the table. There's people that are scared to get health care because they're scared of being deported back. Um, I mean, imagine having to live your life that terrified, you know, and people still come over knowing that people are getting detained, that their kids are getting taken away. Mm -hmm. To me, I just don't understand why people don't have compassion, like to to know in the back of your mind that you would have to go through this horrible journey and just to have that little bit of hope. I I would, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't go through that unless I knew that I could have a better life or I could give my kids a better life or, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like they come over and they're getting a mansion and millions of dollars and they're just getting all of, all of the welfare and they're having all these kids to get money. And, you know, in all honesty, most Americans use the system worse than immigrants do. And immigrants, you know, we take pay taxes still they're still working i mean let's be real the majority of the agriculture and the food that is grown as far as farmers that's all illegals there's no i don't think that people in certain agricultural uh farming would be able to survive if they had to actually pay even minimum wage in america it wouldn't last for them Mm-hmm. So that that's really what saddens me. I just wish people had a little bit more empathy because there have been people who it has literally taken them 20 plus years to get a citizenship and they did everything right. Does it happen quickly for some people? Yes. And those are the people who are like, oh, I got my citizenship. Mm-hmm. Why can't you get yours? You know, because it doesn't work as easy <laughs> for some people. Yeah. You know, they immigrant, they actually have a lottery sometimes. And that's how some people are able to get through the system quicker some people they don't some people have nobody here that can sponsor them that helps them get that visa quicker there's certain countries that they actually only let a certain percentage in uh, and that they give their citizenship to and people don't understand that they think people come over here they just want to live off of them and how dare they you know when in reality it there's so much more yeah i mean you know in that past year we saw those where were they? Those Syrian refugees where you saw the picture of that little baby boy floating on his face, you know, like how, how sad, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, yeah. the parents have to go through these things like that yeah. to make their children have a better life. Like, why would we not want to welcome people trying to make a better life for themselves when that's what America's about, right? Having the American dream. Right. We are looking at the wrong picture here. And that's just. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I think that you're right. Like, a lot of the reasons that I've heard for, you know, people, you know, wanting to build a wall or whatever, like, it's just, it's, I'm not saying that there aren't negative stories that come out of immigration and whatnot, but, like, like you said, it's just, that's not the only picture, I guess. Like, there's, there's more sides to the story, and, you know, people can focus on, like, gang violence and drugs and whatnot and it's like that's that's just not even the majority of what we're talking about when we talk about immigration like that's a very small percentage of of what we're talking about at least from what I know and I think that there's so much power in stories and so when we talk about like just laws when we talk about policies and laws and statistics like it becomes so I don't know it's so impersonal I guess and compared to when you hear a story of someone or even just talking to someone like you who like you wouldn't be here you know doing what you do you wouldn't have served in our military you wouldn't be working for our government if it weren't for your great-grandparents that immigrated here right and so like just when you hear people's stories like that or and and then the the sad stories of you know people being children and parents being separated or whatever it is like those kinds of stories change the way you look at things and so I just I think that it's like I keep saying in this conversation I just feel like it's important for people to hear those and so that would be my recommendation for people as we look to get educated before the voting season comes up like don't just look at policy but you know 
hear some personal stories, make it a little bit more of a personal issue if it's not yet for you. Yeah, because, you know, and, and I get it. Everybody is depending on what their own need is. I feel like that's why they vote. Like, I know there's actually a surprising a lot of Latinos for current president who I'm not going to speak on because I'm still in the military. So I'm not going to have an opinion per se for that one. Uh-huh. But I'm always very surprised because, you know, their big thing is, oh, well, you know, all these businesses are making so much money. We've never, our economy has never prospered the way it has as far as small businesses and businesses since he's been in. And okay, I get that. But what kind of quality of life do you want for your children if all you're worried about right now is your monetary funds? Mm -hmm. Because like I said before, um, you know, there's certain places where people don't know if you're from this country or not. They see that you're brown, you look different, and that's what they judge you on. They're not going to take the time mm-hmm. to know you and your story. For sure. Yeah. This is like kind of a dumb thing, but have you watched Jane the Virgin? That is my favorite show, yes. I really oh my gosh, okay. I relate to that show on so many levels, it's unreal. Yes, okay. That I, I'm glad that you said that because, so I just jumped on the bandwagon. Like, I know it's been around for a while, but literally like I have a six-month-old baby so I find myself sitting in front of the tv a lot lately and so I was like okay I need a new show I've heard people talk about Jane the Virgin let me try it and I'm obsessed with it it's so I think it's so cute I love light-hearted shows that aren't like super vulgar because I feel like there's not enough of those but then also I'm like this show is like educating people like I like this I'm learning about immigration laws like I just feel like I don't know. It's like I'm getting a taste of another culture that I don't get a lot of where I live. And so I really appreciate it for that reason. But I've wondered if it's like, okay, how do people that are actually Mexican-American or, you know, are coming from a Hispanic culture, like, what do they think of it? But you like it? Oh, we love it. I uh, And who's watched it, we just love it. Something that I, one of the reasons that I really love it is like I was saying before, my great grandparents only spoke Spanish and they actually understood English. So they would speak to me in Spanish because I would understand it, but they didn't know how to speak English. And I would speak to them in English because they understood it. They just didn't, they knew I didn't speak Spanish. And in Jane the Virgin, you see that she only speaks English and her grandmother speaks Spanish to them all the time, but she speaks back to Mm -hmm. her in English. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, finally somebody understands me mm-hmm. yeah that's that's really sweet i and i was gonna say this is silly but if nothing else like if you don't have diversity like racial diversity in your community or whatever or or can't access stories of people who are brown or whatever it is like if nothing else just watch Jane the virgin because i feel like they do a really good job of like telling those stories and and talking about immigration but jane is um jane is american like she was born and raised in the u.s i can't remember what part of the country they live oh they live in miami Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i feel like that's a a really good show like it i mean it's super cute and funny but then they do like a little bit of the bringing light to some hard topics yeah they do Um, and it's not like forcing down your throat uh right it's very like this is part of the storyline because it's what happens but it's not preachy yeah exactly Cool. I'm glad you feel the same way about it. Yeah, no. Have you ever seen on that same note, uh, One Day at a Time on Netflix? No, I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, uh, it's a remake from the old One Day at a Time from, I think, like the 70s. And uh, they remade it with a Latino cast. And, I mean, when that show got canceled, there was, like, an uproar about it. But it's the same thing. And with that, I resonated so much. The mother... 
he's they're Cuban. Okay. And uh, the mother was in the military, her and the dad, and her and the dad split up because he had really bad PTSD and he didn't want to stop drinking. And it's so funny. I This show, I'm not emotional, mm-hmm. and this show made me bawl my really? eyes out. There's one episode in particular where the mom gets real sick and they think she's not going to make it. And her and the mom had a very up and down relationship, which was kind of like my my mom and my relationship. And one of the scenes she tells her, you know, I left to boot camp and you didn't even see me off. You didn't even talk to me. And yeah. I, I felt like my mom really closed closed me off when I went to boot camp. And she's like, you know, yeah. now that I'm I get it. You know, you were scared for me. You didn't know what was going to happen. And um you know, she's like, I get it now that I'm older. And that's kind of the same thing. I know my mom was just scared. She was terrified. You know, she, as she's going through life, trying to figure out her way, you know, she's still, she has her own issues with mental illness and being in the military. And she has her own issues with her father being gone, you know, and the same thing, her daughter's lesbian. So, you know, they go through the whole Latinx, cisgender kind of thing. Um, okay. You know, go through the whole immigration thing because the mom is an immigrant um and and it's it's same thing very lighthearted. um and they address those issues but not in a way where it's preachy it's just that's just part of their life and it just happens to be part of the story so if 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 you're looking for a show after jane the virgin um that's okay so i think is very eye-opening for people okay excellent that'll be my next show after jane the virgin (laughs) all right so if we talked about a lot of things today if you could pick one main message you want listeners to walk away with, what would that be? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I think it would be to take life with a grain of salt. Okay. I notice a lot of people, you know, have a lot of anxiety and depression because they stick in their head. You know, they can't let things go or they don't want to let things go. Or people sometimes feel like, oh, my God, why is this happening to me? When... Everyone kind of feels like that at one point in life. You know, life sucks sometimes. Sometimes you can't get out of things. There's sometimes that you feel like things happened because of other things that you couldn't help, be it your parents or your background or things that happened. And in all reality, you know, you're not the only one going through things. Everybody is. And you have to learn to live on with life in order for it to be what you want it to be. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. just be nonchalant about life. But just, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Things are going to happen. Things are going to pop up. Things are going to be inconveniencing. People are going to hurt you. You're going to hurt people. And that's just how it goes. You know, all you can do is be better, learn from your experiences, and just keep on being who you want to be without hurting other people. That's good advice. I like that. I want to ask you a couple fun questions before I let you go. Do you have somebody that you look up to as a role model? My grandmother. Okay. How come? She is my best friend and she is the epitome of a strong woman. You know, they were very poor when they grew up and her and my grandfather got married when she was 15. It was kind of like a forced marriage and he didn't really want her to do much with herself. Um, You know, just very old school. And, you know, after they divorced, you know, she thought she was going to fail at life and she didn't. She put herself through nursing school. She, you know, made her own money. She traveled the world and she's, She's a very modern woman for being her age. And, you know, regardless of whatever life has thrown at her, she has always been like, all right, life, what's next? Bring it on. And I've always admired that very much about her because she's definitely not somebody who let life get her down when it definitely could have. That's really cool. Does she know that 
that um, she's your role model? Um, I tell her all the time. I'm like, you're so awesome. You're my bestest friend. And she's so awesome. I love my mom because um, she's seen all the crazy things that I've been through. And she tells me all the time, like, you are such an amazing woman. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea. Like, that's what I think of about you. You know what? I'm going to tell her after this phone call. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. (laughs) You're actually my role model. Oh, that's sweet. All right. How about what would you say the most impactful book you've ever read was? This book called Caramelo by Sandra Cisneros. You know, I've always been very pro, you know, brown pride. Even before, you know, I feel like this past few years, it's become like a huge thing just, you know, as a trend. But anyway, before all that, before Sandra Cisneros got real popular, before, you know, Chicano stuff, Mexican-American stuff got real big like it is now, I read that book and it was about a little girl who they're from Chicago and they go to Mexico. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand a lot of things. And it's not until you get older that you look back and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, Like, for instance, her grandmother was very mean. And when I was little, my grandmother, the same one, uh, was very mean. And I always thought she was just so mean. She was just so rude. She was so tough on me. And it wasn't until I got older and I heard her life story and the things she went through that I'm like, wow, okay, I get it. And that's exactly what that book is about from how she viewed her parents. And she used to call the grandma, if I remember correctly, the mean, awful grandma. And they thought the grandpa was so nice, but he like put the grandma through so much stuff. And it wasn't until she got older that she realized, you know, that, you know, her grandma was this way because of the things she went through in life. And, um, that book has always stuck by me. And the little girl, her name is uh, Sayala, C-E-L-A-Y-A. And I always told myself if I had a daughter, that's what I wanted to name her from that book. Oh, I like that name. That's really It's cool. different. Yeah, it is. Which is, I mean, that's very in right now. Everybody naming their kids very different names. So that's cool. Right, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about... Have is there since you are in the podcast game? Um, is there anything that you've listened to or watched recently that you want to tell people about? Oh my gosh, what don't I listen to? I have <laughs> the most random podcast ever. I listen to the Drama Club, which is you know all the like scandals of celebrities that you hear about. <laughs> uh, that one's so funny. That one's very lighthearted. Yeah. Um, I listen to Angela Yee Lip Service, which is more like a sex talk, but it's very nitty gritty things that you normally don't hear women talking about. Okay. And then I listened to this one show called Stuff You Didn't Learn in History Class. I'm a huge history buff, regardless of whether it's, you know, Hispanic history, American history. I just, I don't know why I just love history. And I also listen to, I can't remember what the other one is, but it's pretty much like about financial education and being financially savvy okay Uh, and i also watch a lot of eric thomas he's a motivational speaker they call him like the hip-hop preacher because he's very rough around the edges and he tells you how it is no holds bar but he still gives you that sense of you know he didn't grow up rich he wasn't you know didn't come from a family who helped him he is very self-made Uh, So I listen to everything. Um, I'm not really big on radio. I really am into podcasts or listening to motivational stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to learn different perspectives, learn different things about different people. I just like to learn. I'm I'm even in school now. Ten years later, it's taking me all this time to get my degree because I moved in so much. But I just love learning. So anything that I can listen to that's going to give me a different point of view or learn something, I'm all about it. 
okay those are all good recommendations because i like learning too but I, it's hard for me to find podcasts that i like i'm kind of picky i am too but those um I'm, I'm i like i'll listen to a couple episodes and i'm like huh okay and yeah. i have the weirdest the weirdest mix like i said you know it's like um there's this one show oh this one of the shows called inner ho uprising and it's about these girls and they talk about like their quote unquote whole experiences, but they also are about like sex and body positivity. Oh, okay. And then I go to like listening to this like Christian preacher. It's I have like the weirdest yeah. <laughs> I have such yeah. in so many different things. But no, I'm the same way. Like I'll like start listening to things and I'm like, ah, or Yeah. You know. I'm always looking for new stuff. Yeah, totally. No, that's funny that you say that because I have I have this stroller that's for like jogging and pushing the baby at the same time and it has like a a thing where you can put your phone in and it just plays rather than wearing headphones which I kind of like because it makes me nervous to like wear headphones all the time when I'm outside because like I feel like I won't hear a car coming or or something like that and so I was using it and I was listening to a podcast and it wasn't like bad by any means but just what they were talking about, I was like, if someone overhears me listening to this, they're going to be like, what are they, what is she listening? Like, it, it could sound bad. So that's funny that you say that because it's like, I mean, it's not anything nasty, but it could sound bad if I'm walking yeah, by I, know. I completely understand. That's so funny. <laughs> I hear things that I'm like, oh my gosh, if anybody walked in, they'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a brand or product that you are really liking lately? brand or product not really actually you know what I'm totally lying and this is so left field but (laughs) so since I got out of the military uh, I am definitely not making the pay that I was it's getting close to there and I'm coming back to it but I'm not so I've trying to be a baller on a budget Uh and um, one of my bigger expenses was I love to get my nails done Oh, me too. And that was my thing. Like every two weeks, every three weeks, you know, get a fill, go to the salon, do my nails, get a pedicure. Mm-hmm. And I have lately, the past few months, gotten into box nails, like the kind you get at like the drugstore, like the Kiss brand. Uh-huh. And now they shape them to like the coffin. They do like the stiletto and they do them now like with jewels. They do it with glitter. Um, uh-huh. Or you can just get the clear ones and I'll paint them and I'll like shape them the way I do. And I get compliments on them all the time. So that's like my, yeah. like I'm buying this, this box of nails for $9.99. They legit stay on for like two weeks and I can color them and nobody ever knows. They're like, oh, where do you get your nails? And I'm like, Walgreens, $9.99. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally. Oh my gosh. I can so relate to you because... I finally got my first like big girl job a year ago and so I was like after that I was like you know what I deserve to get my nails done now like I'm gonna do it and so I go I I don't go every two weeks like that was impressive that you did that because I am like extending it for as long as I can because I hate paying for it so I'll go like every like five weeks (laughs) but and they're always like when's the last time you were here I'm like yeah it it was like six weeks ago but um before I could afford to do even that I totally did the stick on nails and it's funny because I remember doing those when I was little like for fun and they weren't anything great but 
they've totally made them amazing now and they work like i i totally would leave them on for a week or two like you said and they look good like they even have the they had the matte nails once and i got so many compliments on those like they sometimes i feel like they're even better than actually getting your nails done (laughs) and there's the there's like the press on that have the adhesive or you can do the one where you actually put the nail glue and those are the ones i do because they will but um, even right now, like I see all my friends getting their nails done for Halloween, and Kish uh-huh. just like brought out a line of Halloween type nails. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Navy training, so I can't have nails right now. But I'm like, as soon as this class is done, I'm getting uh-huh. a set of nails. Yes, yes. Nope. I I'm so there for that because I I love those stick on nails for when you're on a budget. They're yes. amazing. Exactly, and and like uh-huh. I said, I get compliments all the time, and nails are expensive. Yeah. Especially my oh, yeah. friends, they like to do the decals and they end up leaving like spending 70 bucks on nails. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yep, 10 bucks. I'm good. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. hundred percent. I'm glad you said that because I've thought like if I, if we decided we needed to cut back in spending, like my nails would probably be the thing to go because I just feel guilty spending that much on my stupid fingernails. But you know, I'll use that as my backup option if I need to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's one of those things that, you know, I don't know about you, but especially being in the military, there's very few things that make you feel very feminine. Um, yeah. And, you know, because I didn't really want to wear a lot of makeup at work, but nails always made me feel like, okay, I'm still a girl in this male-dominated world. Yeah. So now having your nails done makes you feel put together. That's yeah, my theory. Like Very much. Yeah, I love that. So if people want to connect with you, if they want to, you know, go listen to your podcast or if they're in the San Antonio area and want to tune into your show, how can they connect with you? Okay, so tons of ways because I have about three Instagrams. So um, (laughs) Johanna Talk is the podcast and we also have a a Instagram. So Tejana, T-E-J-A-N-A, Talk. Okay, um, you can find us on there and we have a, a link on there. But if not, we are on iTunes, we are on Spotify, Buzzsprout. As far as the radio show, it's 98.9 FM in San Antonio. And we actually do have an app. It's KLMO. And I believe we're the only one on there that pops up. So you can live stream that as well. And then as far as like social media, my personal Instagram is cultured Tejana, the cultured Tejana. Um, so if you just look that up or even Tori E, I should pop up. And I have one for the radio as well, which is like Tori underscore E989. And that's my radio personality one. And I have a Facebook. Um, I don't really go onto Facebook too much because Facebook is weird. Like it is a whole different type of people on Facebook than are on Instagram. Yeah. So I don't really like to get on my Facebook too much, but I do have one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yep, same, are, same here. <laughs> those are the ones. Um, I haven't really gotten to Twitter, even though I keep hearing yeah. to get one, which I really don't need another reason to be on social media more than I already am. So I'm good as far as Twitter and all that good stuff goes. But those are the ones right. that you can hear. It's the podcast, uh, my three Instagrams, um, my Facebook, But yeah, that's pretty much how to find me. Okay, awesome. I'll post links to all those things. And I just subscribed to the podcast so that I can learn about a culture that's different than mine. And your logo is super cute. 
I love the little Texas with the heart. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's awesome. I'll, like I said, I'll post links to everything we reference and to all the ways to find you. And I just really appreciate you being willing to share your story and share about your experiences and, you know, talk to someone that, you know, is a little ignorant to a lot of the things that we talked about and, and just your patience with that. It really means a lot to be able to like be vulnerable in that I don't know what I'm talking about a lot of the time. So I just really appreciate your patience with me and, and just being willing to educate us. No, I appreciate that. I, I love that you are willing to actually learn about different things because that's pretty awesome. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for your time, Tori. Thank you. Thank you for yours. In episode four, if you remember, I spoke with my friend Janelle and we talked about some things she had learned about racism. One of those things was that proximity matters. Here's what she had to say about it. There's power in proximity. There's power in just knowing people and being close to them. Like we kind of talked earlier, like we will never physically have our skin in this game. Mm-hmm. Like it's not about our, our skin color. Mm-hmm. But when my guy who feels like my son or my brother or my best friend from New York their skin is in this game Mm -hmm. and and they are their life does feel on the line when I hear about the most recent shooting I am again like wow and it's like I that that's what's changed it for me it's impossible it was impossible for me to stay distanced and 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 I didn't even I didn't have like a negative attitude I was just like I don't really have time for this you know like I've got kids. I've, I'm mm-hmm. helping run this, you know, do stuff at church and yeah, yeah. But then once, once I started seeing some things that were happening and seeing my guys, it just I couldn't, I couldn't like sit out of it anymore. Yeah. And the one of the speakers had said they equate the lack of proximity and they talk about fog, and like when we have distance from people, that's like a fog, and we just can't see them clearly. And so we don't really know what's happening, but we can't love someone that we can't see. There's just like someone way over there in the distance. Yeah. I mean, we can love them, but to truly like love them and be in it with them, yeah. we have to know them. And so I think relationships, for me and a lot of people I know, have been the most powerful tool to change people's hearts. Proximity matters because we need to hear the whole picture. We need to hear everyone's experiences before we can really decide how we feel about something, especially when it comes to politics and policies and who we're going to be voting for. I hope we made clear that Tori isn't speaking for everyone who identifies as Hispanic when she speaks on these topics, but hearing her story can help us to remember that our opinion is not the only one out there. Our opinion is not the most important, and our opinion doesn't always encapsulate the way that everybody feels or thinks or what is right. Even if you disagree with some of the things that we shared today, I think if you can remember to always keep proximity in mind, it's going to help you to make more educated decisions in the long run. I thought it was really interesting to learn from Tori about her differences within the Hispanic cultural groups. I think this really helped me to remember not to group everyone together, especially by race. It can be easy to just in your mind group people together by race or other categories, but what she shared helped me to remember not to do that and to remember that every single person is unique and their identity is so much more than the language that they speak or where their family's roots are. I also really enjoyed hearing her perspective on the hot topics, 
I especially loved her answer when we were talking about kneeling for the flag. Like I said, I think she has more credibility than most people to answer that question. And again, we're all entitled to our own opinions, but I really liked what she had to share, and I hope you were able to see what she meant. Also, talking about immigration is always kind of an intimidating thing for me, but I feel like I learned a lot from what Tori shared, and if nothing else, I hope it encouraged you to go look into some of the immigration laws that are out there and figure out what you really believe. I think what Tori shared about herself and her family, again, helped to depoliticize what can be such a hard topic to cover. But I love thinking about the fact that if it weren't for immigration, Tori would not be here today serving our country. Like I said, the 2020 election is just around the corner. We're going to have to vote and decide who we stand with here soon. And we need people to vote. We need our voices to be heard. So before you make an uneducated decision, find out where each candidate stands on these topics and who your opinions are most in line with. As you heard Tori share, our votes are having an impact on the lives of families and children and people all across the globe. I really appreciated Tori's patience with me in this conversation. I thought she was really sweet to let me ask questions, even though I don't entirely know what I'm talking about. And she just made me feel so comfortable, so I really love that about her. And as you probably heard, she's a total natural when it comes to radio. I already went and subscribed to her podcast, The Tejana Talk, and I listened to the episode that they recorded about mental health. It was a really fun conversation to listen to. It felt like dropping in on a group of friends chatting about another important topic. I liked hearing what they had to say, and again, learning from people who are different than me. That's always good for my soul, so I really enjoyed listening to that and highly encourage you to go check it out. And while you're over there looking at podcasts, please remember to leave me a rating or review. I would take five stars if you would give it. Again, it helps people to find the show, and I want more people to find it, not just so that I feel good about myself, but so that we can educate people on really relevant, important topics. While you're over there, make sure you subscribe too, because that way you're going to get notified whenever a new episode comes out. I'll be releasing another episode at the end of November, and this is one I'm really excited about. I interviewed Rosalie from World Changer Co., and we recorded a holiday gift guide for everybody. That's right. If you follow me on Instagram, you see that I post about ethical shopping and that kind of thing all the time. Well, Rosalie and I found a bunch of awesome products. We even categorized it for everybody. Gifts for women, gifts for men, gifts for children, and even gifts for your beloved pets. And we picked out some awesome brands that have great products that are totally ethical purchases that you could consider for holiday gifts. Keep an eye out for that episode that's coming out at the end of November. Make sure you're subscribed so you get it straight to your downloads. And if you're not following me on Instagram, make sure you do that too because I post lots of tips on there all the time. Until then, I highly recommend that you go to Netflix and watch Shane the Virgin. You're going to love it. Check out Tori's podcast, which I've linked in the show notes along with everything else we referenced. Make an attempt to learn from people who are different than you and do your research on those policies and political candidates and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out!